0: It's time for W.A.K.R.'s This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. This Week in Tech is brought to you by Cartridge World in North Canton, your home for copiers, printers and supplies. This week, CNN reports that major voting machine manufacturers are calling in cybersecurity experts to help them stress test their systems prior to the 2024 election, As a result, researchers are going to have access to the company's software and hardware for nearly two days to see if they can find ways to break into the systems. Now, I found that heartening because who wouldn't want to know if something was wrong in advance so they could fix it? But also, maybe a little alarming because, well, what if protected information got into the wrong hands? So I asked cybersecurity expert Dr. John Nicholas, who's the director of the Center of Information and Communication Sciences at Ball State University.
1: With voting machines, largely, the security is kind of baked in. Because they are air gapped, meaning that they're not connected to any network. The votes are on a a little USB drive that are collected and driven back to the Board of Elections with representatives from, at least in Summit County, this is how we do it. Uh, Representatives, one Republican, one Democrat, comes back with the paper ballots. And so from that end, it's been very secure. The, The methods and the systems of protecting votes are very secure. And in Summit County, we use paper ballots to back it up, too. So there's always a paper ballot backup of all of that so even if somebody got in and changed votes in a voting machine when the investigation came down those paper ballots would verify the actual votes from the voters now not every county in Ohio uses that so the interesting Sort of strength and weakness of our system is each county decides on what voting machines are going to use, whether or not they're using electronic only or paper ballots to back them up, and and even with the electronics only, it prints off a receipt. Most of them print off a receipt that said that you voted and that kind of thing. So no system is hack proof, but the systems that have been in place to protect votes for hundreds of years in this country are still in place and still being used with these machines. So it's Highly unlikely, uh, you know, unless somebody had access to that machine or insider help that, that votes could be changed. And so the procedures in place there have, have been in place for years. And it's just an electronic version of it.
0: So what's interesting to me, a couple of things. One, you said, for example, here in Summit County, we use paper ballots here, but there is an electronic record kept of those. So I'm assuming when you put your ballot in the machine after you're done voting, it scans it, it makes a digital scan.
1: Right, right.
0: Okay, and so then that's copied onto a device and that's taken back to election headquarters. And then they attach those devices there and and they get the results. And then do they automatically cross-reference those with a hand count or is there only a hand count after everything is over if there's a question?
1: I think you'd have to ask the election officials there, but it's my understanding that at least the number of ballots are counted and they have to match. In other words, if you sent back 100 ballots and suddenly there were 250 votes on a voting machine, I think that would trigger something. And the idea behind counting devices is that it also speeds up the count. So you're not having people physically counting that there, but after election, all of that's verified before they're certified. So the certification process post election would also reveal something if something were awry.
0: So what was interesting to me this week when I saw this article on CNN, they talked about how with a certain number of different device manufacturers, that what they've decided to do is actually do some pre-election cyber testing for security purposes of these voting machines.
1: Even if you're just having it scan the ballots and counting them, you want to make sure that there's not a glitch in there that might inadvertently count. I mean, even beyond voter fraud. You don't want your system to inadvertently count something twice. Uh, If somebody marks something on the paper ballot bigger than the circle that's provided or something, you want to make sure it's still counting only once and that kind of thing. A lot of that is actually also taken care of during the design process. I mean, you know, the research and design, and then you have test engineers that test it and it goes back. So I I think this is largely just a, a CYA and situation for these companies to counter some of these conspiracy theories, because, you know, this is the most important thing in our country. And, and it's been watched very closely by Republicans, Democrats and independents alike. So it was always good to test and practice things. Even as a cybersecurity professional, one of the things that we learned very quickly is, Sooner or later, somebody's going to find a flaw in the system. Nothing is flawless. So it's better to test it ahead of time and see if you can catch it yourself, and you don't necessarily need to go public with that, or it actually would be very bad to go public with that because you would tell people then where the weaknesses are, perhaps, in other systems. So I think it's a very good idea. It should probably be baked in every locality, every county should be doing it, I think states should be doing it, I cities should be involved with it, and probably even at the federal level, so we have the sort of accountability across the board.
0: What I thought was so kind of weird, disheartening, and a little bit scary from the last election was that afterwards there were all of these complaints that maybe there was something wrong with the voting machines and there was a lot of misinformation. And then in some places, people actually did go in person. In one instance, it was in Arizona. They sent in this outfit from Florida that had no experience with elections whatsoever. They called themselves the cyber ninjas. And they went in to do a purported audit, even though they've never done anything like that before. And they spent a lot of time with these protected systems that are really only supposed to be touched by people who actually work for the state. So... That was of some concern. And then when all was said and done after a lot of sermon drang, it turned out that not only did Joe Biden, yes, win in that county, but he won by like even more votes than they thought that he had won by. So it wasn't like there was any reason for them to go in to begin with, but they did. And that was of concern to me because really nobody other than actual state officials are supposed to be going in and messing with voting machines
1: right right and they're in where i said before the strength of our system is each county kind of does its own thing of course each state does its own thing so each county within each state is all doing their own thing and so it's decentralized so there couldn't be a, a huge conspiracy statewide or nationwide however um, if you have officials in a certain locality, like in Arizona, who are buying into these conspiracy theories and they break the tradition, and some might even say the law, although I'm not familiar with Arizona law, to let these people in there and do this, then there is weakness of the system because you don't have this overarching entity that says, no, nobody can have access to these things. So the strength of it being decentralized is that nobody can come in there and statewide implement some sort of fraud. However, that same strength is a weakness because each locality has its own officials who who may in fact fall prey to conspiracy theories and and break the tradition and break these norms and and that is scary
0: okay when you do these kind of i guess would you call it like a cyber stress test What kind of methods are employed and what do you find out as a result of them? What happens? What do they do?
1: They can happen at any number of levels. So at the application level, what I would call the technician level, you can verify that the USBs being used are protected somehow or marked in some way or encrypted so somebody can't get in there and change them. That data should all be encrypted. So you can test that encryption to verify that that's good at that higher level down to getting into a firmware, which is little pieces of code inside the integrated circuits inside of these devices to make sure that there's no flaws there. You would check any networking or any other access to it to see if anybody could find a backdoor in that maybe you didn't pick up on and even and probably mostly down to the actual source code itself written in a programming language to verify that some call to some area is not allowing access from other areas and things like that. So you'd really test it top to bottom from the source code all the way out to the USB drives and all that where everything would be stored, looking for any flaw that you could possibly think of.
0: Should we be concerned that when people went into these machines in other states after the last election that they might actually be injecting some sort of malicious code in an effort to get an advantage or that they might be copying the code so that then at some later time something could be injected along the way is that a real concern or is that just some kind of paranoia that i have
1: i wouldn't call it paranoia i would say that there would be a somewhat limited risk to that because a lot of times that source code is not in that machine that it's been compiled and turned into. It's like So for example, when you open something on your computer, it's a .exe if you have Windows, an executable file. So that's not the source code. Now, you can probably get those and reverse engineer them, but we're talking some pretty high-level programmers and all of that, although with artificial intelligence now, might not be so difficult to do. So we should be concerned about that, but then the flip side of that is in order for them to then try to inject that code, let's say, nationwide or even statewide, they would then have to have access to all of those machines and also if the local boards of elections are doing what they're supposed to be doing, and I think state boards of elections come in also and verify this equipment that unless they were really, really good at what they did and really snuck something deep in there, at some point it would reveal itself and those machines would be taken offline, you know, that they would not be used. So I think it's a real concern technology-wise. I don't think it's very likely and I think that there are safety procedures in places in just about all states. If something even looks funny in a voting machine, I don't think they're going to put it out there.
0: If you were going to be addressing people in our audience who have concerns about electronic voting machines, what would you say either to reassure them or to give them something to think about questions that they could ask their local officials if they had questions about the security?
1: My first thing is, and I always encourage people to get involved in the system, right? If, if you're worried the system is corrupt, put yourself in the system and go find out for yourself. And if you consider yourself to be an honest person and you put yourself in the system, you can become the checks and balances. So first thing is to get involved. The other thing is, I'm sure if you call your local boards of election and please don't flood them, they've got Way important things to do, but if you're really, really concerned about it, they have, I know Semi-County Board of Elections has two cybersecurity persons on there, a Republican and a Democrat. I have talked with them and met with them and watched what they do. And they'll be happy to tell you that there are secure systems in there. And the federal government and the state government have software involved also in that process. So everybody's watching everybody. It's just like it always has been. Republicans are watching the Democrats. Democrats are watching Republicans. The states are watching the localities and vice versa, where there might be isolated events. The ability for there to be widespread election fraud is almost zero.
0: One of the things that comes to mind is that our country is in many ways, so evenly divided right now that really it comes down to just certain choke points, certain counties, certain key districts and certain key states where that's where the rubber is going to meet the road, that that's where the swing of votes can be the highest. So if I was somebody who was concerned about this, or if I had a conspiracy theory in mind, I'd be saying to myself, well, you really only need to mess with the voting machines in like XYZ County in Wisconsin or in Michigan or something like that.
1: Well, that is true. But again, it, there's everybody is, is watching everybody. I mean, if you go to a voting booth, there are Republican and Democrat volunteers from both sides who are both making sure that the process goes as it should. And so while that's true, where you could maybe get in and, and swing a county here or there and, and maybe bump Michigan or Wisconsin, the system is in place to catch that. And when there's paper ballots to back it up, there's no way that a elect- You can change that because you have the paper ballots to back it up. So there are systems of checks and balances. Even if there is no paper ballot, you still know how many people came in and signed the book and voted in that area. And like I was saying before, if 100 people came in and voted in your precinct and there were 250 votes on that voting machine, it would become very obvious very quickly that something that was wrong, at which point there would have to be an investigation and we'd see maybe some of the stuff like we saw in Georgia where it just took forever to, to verify that with the recounts. But I think when even what you saw with Georgia, all conspiracy theories aside, all which have been debunked by courts of law, all been debunked. But we saw that process happen live in front of us, that when there was a recount time and time again, I think there was, what, three recounts down there. And even when these cyber ninjas went into the machines in in Arizona, they actually found more votes for the guy who they thought cheated. (laughs) And so as we hear these conspiracy theories, I would just say to all the listeners out there, look at reality. What's happening right in front of you is the truth. And what you're reading on the internet is what somebody typed up and tried to get you to react emotionally. You know, but what you see in front of you in the courts of law and on television is the truth.
0: Right. You know, I think that probably the biggest takeaway for me over the past four years has been, like you said, I mean, anybody can say anything they want on the Internet. And that's where they're trying to sway people, trying to sow this discord. But whenever things have actually gotten to the point where they needed to have a recount or it went to court, there was an orderly progression And the truth came out. But there's still some people out there that don't believe it, whether or not the courts affirmed it or not, because there's a lot of people that don't believe in the courts now. So I'm not sure what you would do with people who don't want to believe any kind of authority and think it's all big scam. But I am heartened to know that there are these tests going on. I guess the reason why this story caught my eye is that I really hadn't heard of these tests before, but it sounds like to me that what you're saying is, There is testing that goes on all the time. We don't just don't necessarily hear about it, right?
1: Right, right. I mean, you know, no party wants the other party to have an advantage. So both parties are looking at these things and and they're being done with people who some may have even come in with conspiracy theories in their mind because they're reading the same social media as everybody else. And I just don't see anybody from one party or the other coming out screaming hey in Summit County, Ohio, or Cuyahoga County, Ohio, or, or wherever, that there's a problem here. When they go in and they look at it and they see the process, they tend to come out and go, okay, everything is okay. Now, having said that, we should always be diligent in holding our elected officials' feet to the fire. That's what democracy is. So we should always be skeptical, but not paranoid.
0: What I always tell myself in these instances is like, hey, they work for us. And I mean, we actually are paying their salaries. Not that I can go in and say I'm the boss of you, but I do have some skin in the game in that I'm paying taxes. And so as a taxpayer, I really do have the right to at least ask questions. And if they continue to not answer the questions or, you know, give people in the district satisfaction, there's always the next election, right?
1: Right, right. And on top of that, I have found that people who volunteer at the boards of elections and who who become civil servants and and public servants do so because they want to serve the public and they don't have an agenda much beyond that. Right. Everybody has their own personal points of view, which is why Republicans and Democrats and independents are all civil servants. But they go into it with honest intentions and on a day to day basis, try to uphold the integrity of the system.
0: As we wrap up, one of the final concerns I have is that a lot of people involved in elections, uh, volunteers et cetera, around the country, and elections officials have been facing increasing threats, some of them facing doxing, people hacking into their personal information and spreading that on the internet. And, and these people are feeling physical threat and being worried about participating in elections because they feel threatened. Are there, as far as you know, any kind of strategies and plans to increase cybersecurity around the people who actually run the election so they don't come under too much kind of undo scrutiny and threat.
1: I've not heard of that. There's anything in place. And I, I think that gets difficult to do because, you know, then you become an election booth worker. Now now you're going to sign over all of your personal information to the government so they can protect you from other citizens. It kind of is an oxymoron in a way. <laughs>
0: right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the challenges that we have as a free society is that you are free to participate and you do that, but you don't want to cede too much of your information to the government. But, but I guess the way I look at it with the government, and maybe I'm wrong, but I assume that they've got all the information on me anyway. I mean, some agency. <laughs> Some agency knows everything about me already, so I don't get as concerned about that as I might about some sort of group out there who might have bad intentions in mind.
1: I don't know if there's actually an agency that has all of the information out there, but there are agencies who have the ability to get it as soon as they need it. (laughs) So I I don't think they're holding it, but I think they can get it very quickly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just in case they need it, they can definitely get the 411 on me or anybody else that they want. Okay, do you have anything you'd like to add that I maybe have neglected to ask here?
1: No, just that I think, generally speaking, our election system has been the best in the world. It continues to be the best in the world. And and looking at it with a skeptical eye is good, but mistrusting it will pull us apart. So we all just need to relax a little bit and trust the system that has gotten us to the nearly to the 250 year mark.
0: That was Ball State University Center for Information and Communication Sciences Director, Dr. John Nicholas. And I'm Gene Destro. Thanks for listening. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. This has been This Week in Tech with Gene Destro on WAKR, brought to you by Cartridge World in North Canton.